0: What is prayer? I would suggest this might work, right? Perhaps at its simplest, prayer is a conversation with God. And the premise of this sermon series is that since Jesus is God, the conversations that people had with Jesus are prayer. They're conversations with God. Except, you know, as we work our way through the Gospels, Jesus wasn't always the easiest person with whom to have a conversation, was he? I think of that conversation with Nicodemus, that whole being born again thing that Nicodemus had a hard time getting his mind around. Uh, the woman at the well. The, the Sanhedrin. Jesus was brought in at the end of his life to be questioned by the Sanhedrin not an easy conversation the conversation with Pontius Pilate I mean, there were there were times when Jesus would answer a question by posing another question, right? Don't you hate it when people do that? <laughs> you ask a question, you're looking for the simple answer, but they ask another question in return. Oftentimes, that's what Jesus did. Or Jesus wouldn't give the expected answer. He would give something else that changed the conversation altogether. Or, of course, there were times when Jesus didn't even answer the question, period. He just stood there, making us wonder what the expression on his face might have been. (laughs) But just because those conversations were difficult doesn't mean that God is not eager to have conversations with us. And Jesus was eager to have conversations with these people as well. Brian Bollinger, a few weeks ago, volunteered to do the, the artwork for my sermon series. Uh, I've given him the, song, the, the sermon titles and the, the text, and he sends me the artwork for me to use on these slides. And so this one was you know, God's eagerness to have conversations. And this is the picture that Brian came up with. Just for a moment, use your imagination. Imagine that that woman there is God. Is that a picture of eagerness or what, huh? (laughs) Jesus is eager to have conversations with us. God is eager to have conversations with us. And I'd like to have a look this morning with you at one of those conversations. You can turn with me to Luke chapter 11. That's where we find this story this morning. Luke chapter 11, I'll begin reading at verse 1. Fred, this is the first of three different points, if you just want to follow along there. This is slightly shorter than some of mine in recent weeks. Although looking into your faces always inspires me to go places that I didn't plan on going, so I'll try to rein that in as much as possible. But Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray... Say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus had a habit of going off by himself to pray. He did it so often that apparently the disciples took notice of it. Sometimes I think they were a little jealous perhaps that Jesus was having these conversations with his heavenly Father. Perhaps they wanted to be included in that. But it happened often enough that they noticed it and they included it in their stories. And perhaps this was one of those occasions where, at a certain place, Jesus had perhaps risen early in the morning and had gone off to have a private conversation with his heavenly Father. But a disciple or several disciples saw it. And when he came back, when he was finished they asked him if he would teach them how to pray. How do I have a conversation with my heavenly Father like the ones that you're having? Jesus was eager to have those kind of conversations, and as it turns out, he was also eager to have this conversation with his disciples. They had asked a great question. Teach us how to pray. Have you ever asked that of God? you think back to your early days as a follower when you, you heard the saints praying at Wednesday night prayer meeting and you say, I wish I could pray like that. Did you ever ask God, teach me how to pray like that? Well, that question sparked this conversation that we're reading 2,000 years later. And it's one of the few times in conversations with Jesus where somebody asks a question and Jesus answers it just the way they were hoping he would. It leads to a conversation which is really kind of a master class in prayer that we get to listen in on. Now, I have, for the purposes of this sermon, broken this passage down into four different lessons, four different parts. It's a little bit of an artificial uh, division because in the the grand scheme of things, they're all kind of interrelated. And we'll get back to that. But for the sake of, of, of this teaching, let's break it down into the four parts. The first part is verses two through four. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is an abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. We're used to repeating the one that comes from Matthew's Gospel. I wonder if perhaps the reason it's abbreviated here, cut back to the bare bones, is because Luke wanted to emphasize the fact that this wasn't the kind of a prayer that you just read and be done with it. This is not the kind of rote prayer that you just say. You go through it as fast as you can to get it over with. But instead, Luke is emphasizing the fact that this is a pattern, a template, into which we can plug our own personal needs and requests and thoughts this is just a, an outline that we can hang our own stuff on as we're praying. I like the way Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. If you think this is bare bones, listen to this translation. Six lines. First line, Father. Second line, reveal who you are. The, the Father tells us that this is going to be an intimate conversation. This is a love relation conversation that we're about to have. Don't you like that? The second line, reveal who you are. Instead of hallowed be your name, it's reveal who you are because the word name is not, and I've said this before and you know this, name is not just the thing we put on our name tag, David, Mary, Kim, Fred, Lorna, Name meant and means the entire character and personality of this person. To say, hallowed be thy name, is to say, reveal who you are, God. I want to know your character. I want to know what's behind the facade. The third line, set the world right. That's what it means to... Say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It set the world right. So what is it about our life that's not right? What is it about the world that's not right? Let's ask God to set that right. Fourth line, keep us alive with three square meals. (laughs) It doesn't get more blunt and simple than that, does it? Lord, we need the essentials. And they come from your hand. Every good gift is a gift from the hand of God. We need meals today, Lord. The fifth line, keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. That is such an important part of our lives, right? We live in relationship with people and we're stepping on toes all the time and we're saying things that we didn't mean to say or that cause offense even though we were unaware of it. We, we do things out of selfishness or greed that impinge on somebody else's life. Lord, forgive us. Keep us forgiven. The sixth line, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. I like that. Keep us safe from ourselves. We often are our own worst enemy, right? Can I get a witness? (laughs) Keep us safe from the temptations that assail us as well as the devil who is out to try to undermine us. So Jesus provides here a template, a pattern, uh, a bare bones structure on which we can hang the needs and desires and wants of our life in prayer. The second Paragraph, beginning with verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, to the disciples, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, I love that phrase, your shameless audacity he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Let's call this a parable. Jesus is using a scenario with a couple neighbors and a visiting guest and and the need for food as a as a a, a parallel with some spiritual truth. He wants to teach us about prayer, and he's using this conversation that takes place in the middle of the night. So this is the first of what will be two parables in this teaching. Parables aren't allegories. Allegories have a one-to-one relationship between the characters in the allegory and the, the things of life that he's trying to teach. One of the things that we need to know about parables is that they tend to have one important lesson. And we probably shouldn't go beyond that trying to find more parallels. There's one important lesson that Jesus wants to teach with this parable. And while there may be some parallels between that first neighbor and us, and the friend who was asleep with his family and God, that's not really where Jesus wants to go with this. What Jesus wants to say is that persistence is what prayer needs. The focus on on this parable is the persistence of asking for what you need, not on the grumpiness of God who doesn't want to get out of bed. Just don't even think about that, okay? So this value of persistence is highlighted in this translation by the phrase shameless audacity. We are often afraid to ask for what we really want, right? Right? We're afraid that if we ask somebody point-blank for something, they may say no. So we're timid about it. We beat around the bush. We're very apologetic. We're not very assertive. But Jesus says... Shameless audacity is how we ought to pray, how we ought to have this conversation with God. In John chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus says, Ask anything in my name. Right? Ask anything in my name. There's a whole other sermon there about the name and what that means. We've already had a bit of that in the Lord's Prayer, right? Hallowed be thy name. Ask anything in my name, Jesus says, and I will give it to you. Uh, N.T. Wright, one of my favorite New Testament commentators, says there are a variety of other ways that this might have been phrased. He could have used the word or phrase holy boldness. Pray with holy boldness. Or an insistent asking. Can you feel the, the pointed finger of your little boy or girl poking you insistently? I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Or he says maybe it's the, the search that refuses to give up. That's what prayer is. The search that refuses to give up. So perhaps those conversations Jesus had with Nicodemus and the woman at the well and the Sanhedrin and Pontius Pilate and others, perhaps those were really great conversations, but he was just poking them so that they would be more persistent. Inviting them to say it again a different way. Perhaps Jesus was in those awkward, sometimes frustrating conversations, just trying to engage them so they wouldn't beat around the bush that get straight to the point. Persistence. All right, the third paragraph, beginning with verse 9. So I say to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We have here another template. The Lord's Prayer that we got earlier in this passage was one template that we can use for prayer. Here's another template. The Ask, Seek, Knock template but this isn't just about what we say lord's prayer was what we say the phrases the 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 place where we hang our requests this one goes beyond that to examine what we ought to be doing as we're praying the ask part of this is is the need for us to articulate what's on our mind i don't know about you but i live in my mind Uh, I'm an introvert. This is what energizes me. The world of ideas and thoughts is is where I spend most of my time. But something that I've learned about that is that even though I'm thinking a prayer in my mind, it means something completely different when it comes out of my mouth. The stuff that's going on in my mind, and I can only speak for myself, is pretty muddled sometimes. (laughs) Not quite sure what's going on there. There's random thoughts that just skip all over the place. But when I have to say it out loud, all of a sudden it gets pulled into the right shape. I remember, or I think some of the, the things that are coming out of my mouth are saying, you know, if, if, if that's what I was thinking, that's really crazy. That's, that's not right. <laughs> but now that I hear myself saying it, I recognize that. So ask means to be assertive. It means to articulate what we want. To say it out loud even. Seeking though goes beyond just the words. Seeking is action. It means that we need to do everything in our power to see this prayer answered. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? which means that sometimes if we've been asking for the same thing over and over again and it hasn't happened maybe we need to stop and ask for something different how can i reframe that request and ideally how do i ask god what should i be asking for Maybe God doesn't want to give me that easy out, shortcut way that I've been praying about. Maybe God wants me to do something that's going to take more effort, a little harder work. It's going to shape and mold who I am as that prayer is answered in my life. I've been thinking a lot about this recently in light of the pandemic. How have you been praying about the pandemic? If you're like me, you've probably been saying, God, make this go away. Heal all the people that are sick and spare all the people that are dying. Make this thing go away. And I've been praying that prayer over and over and over and over. But what if God wants us to be a little bit more involved in the answer to that prayer than we think? Oh, it would be sweet if God just snapped his fingers and the pandemic went away. But what if God wants us to be involved in the answer to that prayer? What if all this grumbling we've been doing about vaccine and mask mandates and all the other precautions that have been a cramp to our style, what if that is the way God intends to stop the pandemic? You need to be Very careful about what you pray, because I suspect that more often than not, when we pray, God asks us to be a part of the answer. When we pray, when we ask God to do something, I suspect that he has human beings, including me, who he wants to be the answer to that prayer. Otherwise, what are we? We're a bunch of two year olds. I want what I want and I want it now (laughs) on a tray. What if, when God says, when Jesus says, seek and you will find, what he's really meaning is that we are a part of the answer to the prayer? And then there's knock. Knock is a willingness to overcome any of the obstacles that may be between us in the answer to that prayer. Knocking means finding godly ways to overcome anything that's between us and what God intends to give us. The fourth lesson, beginning with verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I would suggest this is the second of the two parables that are included in this teaching. We've had two templates, two frames on which to hang our requests. Now this is the second word picture that Jesus gives us this is a glimpse into the eagerness of God to have conversations with us the point here is that God is not only a friend but a father you might have said in the first uh, parable that God was pictured as the friend who didn't want to get out of bed but here God is pictured as a father a father who gives that which is best Not just good, but best. And the best gift a father can give is not stuff, is it? A fish, an egg, a toy. The best thing that a father can give is himself. His time, his wisdom, his presence. We spend our time praying for things that will satisfy our stomach, God, on the other hand, wants to give us that which will satisfy our soul. So there's this master class that Jesus gives in response to this question from his disciples. Teach us how to pray. And so Jesus gives them a class on what we call intercessory praying. Interceding for with God on behalf of those who are in need. But I would suggest to you that more specifically, this Prayer teaching that he gives us is about supplication, which is a subcategory of intercession. Supplication, by my definition, is where we begin to ask God for things that focus on our needs and our relationship with God. It's okay to pray for yourself, especially if your prayers are are not only for the things that you need, but most importantly for the molding and shaping of your own soul, your own character, your own life. Now I mentioned that I had artificially broken this down into these four lessons, but let me put them back together. There are connections between them. The Lord's Prayer, the first part of this, focuses on what we say. The Ask, Seek, and Knock focuses on our involvement In the answering of our prayer through our persistent lifestyle, there's a connection there. It's not just words. Secondly, the word Father appears twice here. First at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, and then at the the end of the Father who is eager to give things. Um, These are references to God as Father, which really began to take on a life of its own when God led the Israelites out of Egypt. That's the first time that we really start to see the term father applied to God. Father, God was father of, the father of Israel who provided manna for the journey. Sounds like give us each day our daily bread, right? The God who is the father of Israel led his children out of slavery which sounds an awful lot like forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? The same kind of father going on there. Father of Israel is God who led them out of the, out through the wilderness. Sounds a little like not into temptation, but through the wilderness. And finally, led them into his promised land kingdom. Not so unlike thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But most importantly, God gave themselves as a father in the form of a pillar of fire and smoke, right? For 40 long years, God was always present with them in a way that they could see and appreciate. That pillar of fire at night and the pillar of smoke during the day. Which is an awful lot like the day of Pentecost, When God gave His Holy Spirit to those first disciples, and then down through time, He continues to give His Spirit to us. A third connection, the ask, seek, knock prayer template, fleshes out what persistence looks like in that first prayer or that first parable. The man seeks what he needs from his friend, then he pounds on the closed door with persistence, literally knocking. The fourth connection, the sleeping friend in the first parable, is related to the father in the second parable. As William Barclay, another of my favorite commentators, writes, if a churlish and unwilling householder can in the end be coerced by a friend or by that friend's shameless persistence into giving him what he needs, how much more will God, who is a loving father supply all his children's needs by giving himself in the indwelling Holy spirit. That's what kind of a friend we have, right? He's a father who is eager to pour out himself into our lives. Now, If a person were to hear us praying, they might get the impression that all we ask for is stuff. Bread, fish, an egg, gifts, healing, on and on. But that would be to miss the biggest lesson of all. God does provide. God does work miracles. God does protect us. God does answer in amazing ways. But what God most eagerly wants to do is to give away the store. God wants to give away the store. Verse 13 says it, as plain as the nose on my face. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? God! How much more will your Father in heaven give Himself to those who ask Him? God wants to give away the store, God wants to give us Himself. God is eager, as eager as that woman's face indicates there, that he wants to answer our prayer. He wants to be the answer to our prayer. He himself is the answer to our prayer. Asking for what God wants is a good thing, right? Because if you know what God wants to give you and you ask for that, what percentage of the time is God going to give that to you? A hundred percent of the time. If I'm asking for what I want and I haven't consulted God, there's a good chance that what I'm asking for is going to be uh, provided uh, what percentage of the time? The big goose egg. But here is Jesus having this straightforward conversation with his disciples in which they've asked him how to pray. And he ends this master class by saying, let me tell you what to ask God for. Ask God for himself. Ask God for what he is most eager to give. How much more does God want to give you himself? (laughs) A hundred percent. So that's what we ought to be asking for. And you know, the amazing thing is that when we ask God for himself, when he fills us, you can go to the next slide there, Mike. When he fills us with himself, what we're asking for starts to fall into place with what he wants for us. When we ask for him to fill us, we find that we are day after day becoming increasingly like Jesus. How can that not happen? If we're asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, and God is living inside of us, making his Priorities are priorities. Making his affections our affections. How can we not start to look more and more like Jesus and think more and more like Jesus and live more and more like Jesus? We didn't have pastoral prayer earlier in the service because I want to have it now. Let's use this Lord's Prayer template to pray. So bow your heads with me. And we'll use the message version of this that begins with the simple word, Father. Father may not be the, your favorite word. It happens to be my favorite word to use to address God. But begin your prayer by letting God know that you appreciate and love Him as a Father. As the best father in the universe, unlike any other father we've ever had, begin your prayer by acknowledging the relationship that you have with God as Father. Just pray silently. next phrase reveal who you are hallowed be your name who is God to you right now as you're having this conversation what are the characteristics and qualities that you most appreciate who is God that you just couldn't live without let him know that Next phrase, set the world right. Where is the world going wrong right now? Probably heard it on the news, seen it on television. Conversations with others grumbling about what's wrong with the world. Well, we're having a conversation this morning with the maker and ruler of the world his kingdom become a greater reality by what you ask in your own life and the lives of others pray about the broken situations that you care about right now I think about Dolores McPherson who's recently been diagnosed with lung cancer and is had a conversation yesterday with the hospice providers, so her life is coming towards an end without the intervention of God, or certainly what should she be dealing with, or what could she be dealing with? And we've got a whole bunch of folks in our congregation that are ill right now, fearful right now. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Keep us alive with three square meals. Remember the connection with the manna in the wilderness. It's not just three square meals, but it's where does that three square meals come from? Who's behind every good and perfect gift? Ask the Lord for the things that are essential in your life and acknowledge that He is the provider of those things. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Listen as the Holy Spirit brings broken relationships to your mind. As the Holy Spirit brings things that are standing between you and God, that perfect love of what do we need to confess and repent? Or what do we need to be forgiven? what do we need to forgive others? And finally, us safe from ourselves and the devil what are the temptations what are the shortcuts what are the easy ways out invite God into those situations in his strength and his power and his purity Jesus, we know that you are eager to have conversations with us. You are literally walking along this life journey with us. Through your Holy Spirit, you are with us every moment of every day, doing everything that we do, thinking everything that we think, knowing everything that's going on in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we We believe that you want to be a part of that conversation. You want to be a part of our lives. You want to to have some input into the decisions that we're making, the things that we're thinking, the things that we're doing. Lord, I pray that you would make us as eager as you are to bring everything to you in prayer. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us day after day to ask for the things that you want to give us, not just the things that we want you to give us. Lord, we want to pray according to your will, according to your purposes, according to your name. We want to ask you for the thing that you most want to give us, and that is yourself. Continue to fill us with your Spirit, Lord. Continue to have free reign, And everything that's going on in our minds and our hearts and our wills. That we might become more like Christ with every passing day. For it's in His name, His character, that we ask this. And all of God's children say,